No Simple Road is stoked to have Sunset Lake CBD back with us as our sponsor. Sunset Lake is the real deal. If you've looked around trying to find CBD and it just didn't do what it was supposed to do, this is the place you need to go. They've got every kind of product you can imagine, including CBD tinctures with sleep gummies that are great for getting to bed, CBD gummy bears and reishi infused chews that can help bring you a little bit of calm in a stressful day. They've got salve. They've got smokable hemp flower that's great for folks like me that don't want to get stoned and paranoid, but want to have the benefits of cannabis. Well, now you got it. And they even carry CBD products for your pets, man. I'm saying this is Darwin approved stuff. Go over to sunsetlakecbd.com and check out the full range of what they have. This is Vermont grown right to your door and they're giving you 20% off. So put in the promo code NSR20 when you're checking out. You're going to get 20% off your whole order. And I know you're going to love it. They even have subscription options open for you. So you don't forget to get your medicine. Go check out Sunset Lake CBD, everybody. Hey, everyone. Chris Pandolfi from the infamous String Dusters here to let you know that my podcast Inside the Musician's Brain is back on the airwaves for season four, which means it's time once again to get deep with influential musicians from all across the musical landscape to really understand and translate the lessons of success, failure, inspiration and hard work that are behind the music and the artists that we love. My guests this season include Rachel Price from Lake Street Dives, Sam Bush, Chris Wood, Chris Funk from The Decemberists, Lindsay Liu, MC Taylor from His Golden Messenger, and more. Check us out, and thanks for listening. We're so excited to tell you a bit about today's sponsor, Music Masters Collective. They are a nonprofit organization that produces unique music events, providing opportunities for fans and artists to meet and collaborate in an inspired and creative atmosphere. Music Masters Collective events give you the opportunity to learn from world-class musicians like Otil Burbridge, Steve Earle, Richard Thompson, former members of the band, the Milk Carton Kids, Nikki Glaspie, the Fab Foe, and Sean Colvin, and so many more. At an event like the Milk Carton Kids Sad Song Summer Camp, happening this July, you can expect immersive classes, evenings of entertainment, excellent food, and a space for a lucky group of folks to learn, co-write, workshop, and perform with like-minded peers, all with the guidance of Kenneth Pattengale, Joey Ryan, and some of their favorite songwriters. This all-inclusive week in the Catskill Mountains of upstate New York is guaranteed to be magical. Scholarships are available and spots are extremely limited. So visit www.sadsongsummercamp.com forward slash simple to learn more. That's www.sadsongsummercamp.com forward slash simple. Check it out. Hey, welcome back, everybody. So we got the second episode going. 
And we actually came up with a name for the podcast. So since we're going to be talking about the aha turn on moment and what that's meant for you and for your life and for how you live and all that, we decided to take a page from the Grateful Dead songbook and call the podcast No Simple Road. I think it fits. Um, I mean, if you think about it, it really is no simple road that we tread once we turn on. It's twisty and turny and weird and everything from that aha turned on moment is different than it was before and you become something else. Boy, are we something else. So, yeah, no simple road and this is the second episode. So, just to recap, um, we're going to be telling stories about how we got turned on, how we got turned on to the music that we love, uh, experiences that we've had. Uh, with psychedelics, listening to music and going to shows. And just so that you guys remember, we're sitting out here on our beautiful porch in Portland, Oregon. The birds are chirping. The construction workers are constructioning. It's and 67 degrees. And that's Apple over there. It's nice and cool in the summertime. We got Darwin, the hound, laying here with us. And so today I have my buddy Apple, who is also my roommate. Hello. And he's here with us. And he's going to kind of do what I did on the, on the last episode. He's going to tell you a little bit about himself and kind of introduce himself so that you know who you guys are dealing with and give you a little backstory on who we are. He, he's been friends with me since I was 12 years old. I'm in my 40s now. So we've been friends over 30 years. This guy and I have done a lot of traveling. And I don't mean just driving. Um, we have been all around this great big world together. We've lived in a VW van together. We've camped for weeks at a time. We've watched a storm roll through a canyon in the Utah mountains as the thunder and lightning rolled through the canyon playing a nature solo just for us on the side of the road. And you know, as you get a little older, you... You want your friends around, so when we decided to move up to Portland, my wife, my son, and I, I, I talked to my buddy Apple here, and, you know, I think it would be a good thing for all of us to live together and see where the road takes us. So here we are, we're sitting on the porch, we're recording, and um, so Apple, last night you listened to the first episode, and, and it, it made you it made you kind of emotional, man, and uh, I'm just wondering, like, what what do you think about that that touched you so much like hearing that what was it in it that made you feel like that well as you like you mentioned it makes you start trying to piece your timeline together there's so many things we've done and been through you start to forget those things mm -hmm. they're they're there they're like in the filing cabinet in the back of your mind and you touch on them once in a while but now you're like recreating that and it's helping me pull it back together. I, I thought about it all last night, slept on it. And this morning, I first thing I do is get up, getting ready for this to, you know, kind of be put on the spot to tell a story, which is strange, but it's really cool. And for the first time, in, as long as I can remember, I went and looked up the set list for my first Grateful Dead show ever that uh, Aaron turned me on to. 
and he he's told his story of how he got turned on and it took him several years to get me to realize what was happening i i just remember after my first show i wanted everybody to to feel what i felt at that show i wanted everybody to to know that thing and, and you and i were talking last night and you said something that I've thought about in the past, but I guess I never really could accept it as like, oh, it's not for everybody. I have a hard time with that even still. I, I guess that some people just don't like it. I don't want to say don't get it because I think everybody has the capacity to to get it, whatever the it is. You know what I mean? Yeah. But And I think everybody can get it. It's just a matter of getting there. And wanting to. Wanting to. I guess it just doesn't matter for some people, but for us, it, it's it's been different. And so I remember coming back and and telling you like what happened, and you just didn't you didn't seem, I don't know, did you not believe me or? No, I was in the same spot like you said. I was I I, I was twenty, uh, thought I knew everything at that point, like most of us do when we're younger, and had it figured out, and was angsty and listened to, you know, more heavy metal and thought the same thing. Like, I'd, I'd heard them before. It was like, oh, these, you know, country, bluegrass, bluegrass, you know, I'm, that's not my thing. This is old people's music. <laughs> it's kind of like what I thought. This is old hippie music. And I like the Doors and Pink Floyd and all that kind of stuff. But it's, it's that's different. We all know that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. And then when Aaron came off of tour following them around for two years he basically he made me go to a yeah, show i did the same thing he's like bro listen to me man just just go just go if you don't like it you can leave you know you don't you, you, i just want you to taste this just have a taste of the cake and see if you <laughs> like it you know and he wasn't pushy or preachy like he said it's hard not to be i understand that now after seeing my first show you want to go stand at the altar and fucking preach and try to pound it into people. But, you know, it's like one of those, you just offer them the cake and tell them how delicious it is. Delicious it is. And once you take a bite, you're, you're hooked. It's the best thing ever. I, I, I remember I, I had my bus. At the time, I was able to get a bunch of tickets for shows. I had a Connect in Vegas that, that was getting, like, strips of tickets for, for the shows. And I was like, fuck, man, it's a free ticket. It's kind of the same thing that that my friend in L.A. did for me. Like, it's a free ticket. Just go. Just come with us if you hate it. You know, whatever. We ended up in the lot and I could tell like you were it was really alien to you the way it was to me, because even though our musical backgrounds were different, it, it was st- still shocking. And what did you end up taking that day? I don't even remember. Oh, like I came with, let's see, I had mushrooms. I had probably probably close to a quarter of mushroom, quite a bit. And I took about half of those before the show and was coming on really good in the parking lot and starting to okay, get first. I, I was looking at everything, all these people like the like, like they were almost phony, like like they're they're putting on an act for me or for other people, you know, like, I don't know. It just seemed kind of phony and I wasn't believing in it at first and looking around at the people like, like really, this isn't real. These people are, you know, this is like a, well, found out it is like a traveling circus. 
And it, I don't know, it just seemed weird. But then I started coming on and I started looking at all of these people that were really weird to me at one moment started becoming beautiful. And I started seeing like, you know, the auras of people and feeling them. But still, I didn't want anything to do with it yet. I, you know, but fuck this. You know, this isn't my thing. I want to go home, listen to Metallica, smoke dope and hang out with my weird girlfriend at the time. And anyway, we're I remember going into the show and somebody gave me a hit of acid I think it was one of our friends that was like, yeah, take this too. So, you know, young, of course I did. And then went in and I remember one of the things I really remember too is the smell of a Grateful Dead concert. <laughs> There's nothing like that. <laughs> you start to, you, for the first thing it hit me, I, I fell in love with Patchouli that day. Patchouli and B.O. Patchouli, B.O., fucking... And then you start getting this medicinal smell, which is like, you know, people smoking so much pot in one place and uh, then started to come on really hard. Uh, So what were you thinking? Like, because I know for me, it was terrifying at first. It was really scary. I wanted to fucking leave. Yeah, I wanted to run. I wanted to run out of the parking lot. I wanted to get, like, spend my last few bucks to, like, take a taxi home so where I could curl (laughs) up in bed and be safe. Because what I was experiencing was so new and so different. I didn't want to give in. I was fighting it, which is not a good thing. I wonder what that is is in us that does that. Like, fear of change, fear of... I don't know, looking back at it now, fear of discovering yourself and having to give in and admit that you don't know everything. That, fuck, I thought I had it all figured out, man. My life's fucking awesome. And then you realize, oh, my God, there's so much more. After, you know, many, many years, without 20 years old, we'd been experimenting with drugs since we were, like, 13. So if we had it all figured out. We had seven years under our belt. We were fucking masters of the universe. <laughs> fucking, I, I wanted so badly for you to get it. Like I, I wanted so badly for you to like it, and I was still really wet behind the ears. I mean, even coming off a tour, like I was telling you last night, I had so many misconceptions about the way things work and how it was even then, and. I, I just wanted you to like it the way I liked it. And it, it was really cool to watch the transformation during that show. It was, it was really a trip like to see you, like you were fighting it at first, like you said, and then I don't know. You tell it, man, like you, during drums. I, well, okay. Let, let me, let's start at the beginning on it. Like, okay. So I'm on the show. I've taken fucking an eighth of mushrooms and I've taken a hit of acid and, smoked copious amounts of marijuana by this point the show hasn't even started yet they come out on stage and like all of i mean I think everybody knows you know the hits the you know casey jones all you know trucking and they start off with the other song that everybody knows touch of gray and right away i was like okay so yeah this old old people's folky music whatever and i spin I spend that song into Walking Blues, Friend of the Devil. Friend of the Devil, I think, started to get me. I think that's maybe where I maybe started to unconsciously kind of shake my groove thing a little bit, but still fighting it. 
Did it, did it feel weird to you, like, to see people dancing at a show and oh, while completely. you were tripping? I, I was used to I was used to going to you know Metallica and grew up on Iron Maiden, Judas Priest. Like, you know, you, you go and you bang your head, you bang your head, and you know, get in the mosh pit and you know, just all angsty, fucking like. I don't want to say negative because I still that's music has a place in my heart, kind of, but. I, I started to let that, that kind of started to shed away. And there's, you know, several more songs, fucking uh, Mexicali Blues, Maggie's Farm. And Maggie's Farm, I remember, uh, I think that's when I first discovered, like, the spinners. And everybody was just kicking. I couldn't believe how everybody was singing. And just everybody was so into it. And I spent a lot of time turning around, like, doing 360s, looking all around, like, you know, like, what? What? What is this? That still, it wasn't real, and of course, you know, being on a lot of hallucinogens, it, you know, shit was happening, and they did a couple more songs, Cassidy, might as well, they ended the first set with, and, uh, again, I'm piecing this back together, I'm, I'm looking at the set list from, it, from the it? show, and now it came back to me, and I looked at it, I got goosebumps, because they ended the first set, and I had no idea, Aaron told me stories about how they take a long set break, that made no sense to me, like, why would a band go off stage for fucking 45 minutes and leave you hanging, and, and that is when it really started to hit me, they ended with Might As Well, and I think that's the one that I'm really listening to the lyrics on, and how, how when you go to a show, it it starts to become about you. They're 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 kind of you feel like they're singing directly to you, and it, it's very poignant. It and so might as well was telling me like like come on, dude, you're here, you're with your bro who finally got you after two years to come to a show. You might as well, might as well, man. Join join the family, join the fun. So then. Everything stops, and there's 45, 50 minutes of congregating, talking to everybody around you, and the buzz that everybody knows during the set break. Everybody's so happy. Everybody's so turned on at that point. I remember Sam Boyd, Sam Boyd Stadium in Vegas. So it was like 110 degrees. It was super hot, miserable summer day in Vegas, and it it was actually it was tolerable there sitting. In in the on the floor there, and I remember during those shows at Sam Boyd, like people would immediately sit down. I remember how weird that was to me. Like you said, like a forty five minute break during a show. What the fuck, man? Yeah. What are you just gonna stop playing? Like that's just weird. But and everybody would immediately sit down to like claim their space, so everybody so you'd have somewhere to sit. And then people were like busting out like fresh oranges and bottles of water and Gatorade and all it's this. Like the biggest picnic ever. Yeah. Yeah, it was totally cool. And, and, you and everybody's get to know, sharing. I yeah. wasn't used to that. Everybody was sharing. People are offering you things, and, you know, nothing's, like, on the down low, sneaky. It was so open with the, with joints and drugs and people offering things that I was used to having to look hard and pay for. You know, oh, we need to get some acid. we got to call Joe to get it from Bob, to, you know. And this was just a free-form, open community. And I think that that time that the set break time also it gives you a chance to connect to the people around you when you're in that headspace when you're when you're out there and 
you've done that thing for the first set. And then the, the set break comes around like it gives you a chance to connect to everybody around you that you've been experiencing this thing with that you didn't really know. And then you, you sit down during the set break, you start talking to the people around you and you realize, oh, shit, we're all family. Like, these are my friends here. Nobody's here to yeah. fuck with me or hurt me like this is this is awesome. Like I'm here with twenty or thirty thousand of my closest friends. Yeah, and I remember that too. The during the separate meeting, I met people there at that show that I'll probably never see again in my life. But are it, it's like branded in my mind. I can remember faces. I, I met people there that were instantly friends, family, and it was very strange because usually in that time you you know you had to work pretty hard to uh, trust people. If that makes sense. So when the, would, they, <laughs> would they open the second set with? So in the second set, you know, you get to that point of like, oh my god, what's going on? And oh, and I took my other ate the mushrooms. <laughs> during set break because that just sounded like a good idea you know of course that was a good idea i'm really high and confused i don't know what's going on so let's take more drugs Uh so then they come out and they bust into sugar magnolia that got me grooving i started dancing i started really smiling and letting the shell crack away and then went into what has now become my favorite songs. They went into Scarlet Fire. And Scarlet Begonias with the lyrics there, it just it was describing the girls dancing around me and it was bringing it together. And then Fire on the Mountain, I'm sitting here right now, I have goosebumps and my hair's <laughs> wow. standing up almost, reliving this in my mind and talking about it. Fire on the Mountain just really, really hit me. The, the, the music, the lyrics, everything. I think out of all the dead songs that I can think of, Fire on the Mountain does the best job of explaining whatever that thing at a Grateful Dead concert is, what it what it does. Yeah. There's a dragon with matches that's loose on the town. Like, that whole thing... To me, like it, it, it was like a, a roadmap for what was happening at a show. Yeah, and then like the, it was, it's encouraging too. Like the get up, get up, yeah, <laughs> get out of the door. Yeah, it made me get up and get out of the door. So, so then they follow up with the you know nice snazzy Uncle John's band, which is okay. By this point now, I have totally embraced and I'm accepting bluegrass old people music it's no longer that it is just it is something i've never experienced in my life and i want to be part of this so uncle john's band goes into actually uncle john's band i was getting overheated the first I, I days of the hardest days don't you worry yes. anymore <laughs> and i was sitting on the ground and floor like he said 110 degrees and i had drank my water and so and so I'm sitting there like I need a drink. I'm getting really hot. Uh, sitting there with my eyes closed, kind of just Indian style, kind of rocking. Like, oh my God, okay, I, I, I did I did too much. Maybe a little too much too fast. <laughs> and next thing I know, all of a sudden it felt like it's somebody flipped a switch. All of a sudden there is air conditioning blowing on me. And of course I there was really in the cool. middle outside. And Sam somebody Boyd. bumps me with something bumps me and invades my little territory. And I realize it's a jug of water. Nice, cold, refreshing water. So I start chugging some water. And when I open my eyes and look up, I had spinners around me. 
like four beautiful hippie girls, which were not beautiful. And I didn't accept at the beginning and all this, but now they're the most beautiful things in the world. Their dresses looked like lollipops spinning around. And they, they knew they came and helped me. They knew I wasn't doing good. They turned on their conditioning they gave me water and then drums started. And I learned that, you know, that's like kind of like another kind of a set where everybody sits down for drums. A lot of people do and they start chilling and just, you know, start tripping, getting into it. And that's when you close your eyes and sit down like I was doing during Uncle John's band. And without even knowing it until like Aaron pointed it out, I sprung up like a spring when everybody sat down and I danced all the way through drums like I had never danced in my life. I didn't know I could dance like that and I look over I had my eyes closed I'm just dancing away and Aaron like taps me on the toe he came over and kind of hugged me and it made me open my eyes and look around and it was like like most shows like me and like a couple dozen other people out of you know 50,000 people or whatever it was dancing during drums and I was one of those and it just it blew my fucking socks off I couldn't believe what, and I was smiling the biggest smile ever dancing through drums and space which space is hard to dance to <laughs> if you're in the right headspace it's, it's super easy to dance exactly. to. <laughs> but then it was like I'm dancing into bad boy you know just space so then it was you know I'm not realizing yet you know the show's getting towards the end they, they do I need a miracle and then into Black Peter and then one more Saturday night, the place just blew up like one more Saturday. You know, that's one of the ones that everybody gets it gets your butt moving and grooving and everybody's partying. That's that's like either end of the show song or uh, just before set break song. Like gets everybody back moving, especially after going through drums in space like that. It brings you out and kind of kind of brings you to coherence somewhat a little bit. Yeah, yeah, it starts bringing you down to earth. Like, okay, man, we're 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 trying to prepare you for you know the show's gonna be over soon. So then they do an encore of the wait. What a great encore, man! Uh, Yeah, which I mean that I don't I I can't really say anymore. The wait, it was the wait, the wait (laughs) of the world of the of everything was upon me, and I had accepted it and. I just remember slowly shuffling out and I realized that all those people that I thought were phony and didn't get were my best friends in the world at that point. Everybody was smiling and there's something I can remember now. This just popped in my mind. It's like everybody knew, everybody who's experienced realized I had just seen my first show. They like knew I didn't have to say people are coming up. You, you know. can tell you could even today you could see those people that are walking out and it's their first first go around and they you just have a look. Yeah. Mind blown. Yeah. Mind blown. I'm and people hugging me. Beautiful hippie girls. Cool. The the stinky dreadlock guys that I was kind of like, ooh, we're coming up and hugging me and smiling and we're high fiving and. You know, all shuffling out in the parking lot and then went back to Aaron's bus and hung out. And you know, did I, I, I had to try some good old hippie crack balloon, you know, and just experience the whole parking lot. 
and I bought a few things because at the point it's like I yeah I need I need souvenirs. But you always, I, you've always been a collector of memorabilia for any like anything that you're into. You've got. Dolls yeah. and posters and pictures and yeah, pins true. and fucking pens and yeah. ashtrays and yes. whatever. I mean, your room has always been like a den. It looked like a, a record store or something. <laughs> like even when we were kids, the room is just plastered with, you know, music stuff. And I, for me, like growing up with you and knowing you, like, I just knew. I, I knew that this was going to be your bag. I knew it. Yeah. And now my room is basically seventy percent Grateful Dead <laughs> memorabilia from the years, because all of us know they got some of the coolest shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the artwork, the collectibles—it's just—it's never ending. You can never have it all. Well, like, and it's like I was telling you last night too. So when you're in that place and you're at the show, or you're you're even at home, you know with the elevated consciousness listening to the music there's something that happens with the artwork and there's there's just a thing about it that it carries like a resonance of the experience with it like even listening back to shows now from the 70s that we didn't get to experience like the uh, Cornell 77 that came out recently and there's, oh. there's a couple of the road trips that we've tripped out and listened to those those albums and those those recordings carry the the vibration of what happened that night there's like a magic that's recorded with that music that that still is alive in the recording and comes out when you're in the right headspace to hear it and you listen to it that's and for me i think that's part of the reason that that the the dead have been so successful in in uh, in having such a community of people that trade their music and how they've been so open with like taping and all that stuff and allowing us to just trade and have the music be available for everybody. And it's so cool how that, that thing, whatever it is, I don't even know, there's no name for it, mm-hmm. carries over onto a recording from years and years and years ago. But, but anyway, yeah. but anyway, so how did things change for you after that? Like, so you left that first show, your mind's blown, you go back home. And I was still on tour, so we weren't really hanging out that much. Like, I remember I took off somewhere. I think I went to California to go to shows, and you had to stay in Vegas. So, like, what were things like for you after that? After that, after that for a little while, it was really, it was really hard to uh, go about life normally. It was such a mind fuck. Uh, in a good way, I started reevaluating everything. I got out of the relationship that I was in that I thought was cool and realized wasn't. And uh, then, then I kind of became the preacher <laughs> and started collecting music. And Aaron was sending me stuff from the road, uh, letters, uh, which I still have to this day because, like I said, I keep everything. And um, no, I, I just. I went about life totally different from that point on. I, I started listening to, of course, Grateful Dead all the time and listening to their solo albums and realizing how much music they have that I needed to hear. Because every we all know every show is different. I and mean, I'm sitting here hey, 48 years old now and I still have not heard Every, you, you can't hear everyone. There's so many. You'd have to spend so much time 
sitting trying to listen to every show they did because they'd done so many and every one of them like Aaron said I realized the music is alive uh, and the trading of the tapes and all this stuff it keeps that alive and it keeps you part of that family and community which is something I'd never experienced with a band well I know for me like it, it, like an afterglow was a period happened for a few years where that's all I wanted to do. All I wanted to do was go to shows, and that's why I went on tour. And 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 then and then when Jerry passed away, it was like, and I hate to say this because it, it sounds so hokey, but like my life fucking fell apart, and not because Jerry died. It was coincidental that those two things happened at the same time. But at that point in my life, like I had no direction at all i was this like cosmic cowboy with no no like base nowhere to to put my feet and was just floating through life and felt lost i don't know you, you relate well, well, to that i yeah by that point because that was 95 and you got me turned on in 91 so i got four really awesome years and uh I don't like the word regrets, but it's one thing I wish I wish I would at that point just jumped on the road with, with you and done that. Hey, but, we're here now. But fuck regrets, you know. I, I I got to enjoy. I saw every show in Las Vegas from that point on. Uh, we went and saw Jerry Garcia band in Shoreline Amphitheater, which to this day is one of the most mind blowing things I've ever seen. That's church. When, yeah, when he he closed that show with uh, "What a Wonderful World." What a wonderful world, and I saw entire packed fucking Shoreline Amphitheater of everybody in tears of joy <laughs> at what was happening. And so, yeah, yeah, then when all of a sudden, you know, we had a new direction in life. We were, you know, a really good direction. And then, then it, it kind of ended in 95. But but it didn't. It, it didn't. Now, you know, no, now it's we know part, it it's part of who you are. And, and <laughs> I don't think it'll, it, I don't think, I know you can't separate that. You can't separate that from who you are. It, it, it doesn't just go away because you're not at a show. It's, it's your mind that's changed. It's it's your yourself that's become different because of this thing, and because of the experience that you had. So it doesn't just disappear because you're not at a show. And oh no, it changed it changed our being to the core, and it's still it's well, it's still alive today. Like you're talking about, I mean, who who out there that loves the Grateful Dead? can't close their eyes and still see Jerry. He's there. We've seen him with our eyes open <laughs> yeah. at concerts. And, you know, it, it is still so alive. He is still so alive. Uh, it just, you know, it keeps going. I, and watching um, documentaries and stuff and, and hearing what Bobby said, like Jerry carrying that weight of the fans deifying him and how... You know, all these people thought that Jerry was a prophet or Jerry was God or all this stuff. And, you know, man, he was just another guy just like us. And, and he was a dude that loved music and gave everything he had. But there was something special there. There, I mean, I, I don't think that he was 
a, a deity. I mean, that's we're all God. So let's just get that out of the way. And But there was something special, somebody that can allow themselves to be a conduit for the flow and the vibration that way in such a special way that was so sweet and at the same time so dark. Yeah. <laughs> it, it really, like... It, it was a touch of gray. Like it really was a beautiful thing to, to get to experience. And now with dead and company and it's just growing. I, I hear all these people talking shit about like the fucking John Mayer playing guitar for dead and company. And I uh, know it's O'Teal. It's not the dead. No, it's not the dead. And guess what? When Pigpen died and Donna and Keith came in, people were like, Oh, it's not the grateful dead. And then when Donna and Keith left, and Brent came on. People were like, oh, it's fucking different. It's not the Grateful Dead. Well, no, it's it's always changing and it's growing and it's different. And we're lucky. We're lucky to have any of it, man. It, what a cool, weird, funky, rad thing to get to experience together. And it's created this lifelong friendship for you and I. I mean, even before that, we were friends, but it made you and I even closer. Yeah, more solid and... Yeah, and, and here we are today sharing this. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's it's just amazing what, what happens with life after you discover it, what, ev- what's out there. Everything changes. Everything is different. Everything's colored different. Everything feels different. And I don't know if you've gone... I think recently you've said some things like you're kind of going through this. It's like... The things that you went to before that you liked and that you did that brought you pleasure aren't the same anymore. Like, you just don't get the same fulfillment out of the things you did before that you do now. And so you have to start finding different things to fill up your time and different different things spark your interest and your creativity. A great example is watching TV. You've always loved to watch TV. You've always totally been into yeah. TV shows, and even recently, you're like, I, I just can't do it anymore. It's it's not the same. Yeah, well, no, and that's a, I mean, that's something that's always kind of been there. I mean, that that has a whole lot to do with moving up here to Portland and moving to the wilderness and enjoying the outdoors and and life. <laughs> life is all around up here in Portland. It's a huge city in the middle of a forest and it's just incredible it's like being on vacation every day yeah definitely it's things have changed dramatically since since coming up here and another little tidbit about me it makes my life so happy now is i live in in portland oregon and i work in the cannabis industry for a very big player up here and it's great i i look at that too it's to me to me, cannabis has always been medicine. And now I'm promoting that and helping that happen and getting people to use it to get off of pain pills and things like that. And, and that's a whole other thing we'll get into on another podcast. But uh, I don't know, back to the Grateful Dead thing, it just, yeah, it, it's, it's uh, bloomed again up here. Uh, yeah, it's happening everywhere. It's, I mean, and we've and one and with Dead and Company going and seeing the Dead and Company shows. You know, seeing them in Vegas was cool, but then seeing them up here, and then going and seeing them recently in Shoreline, and the way they're growing, 
and you know, I just I, I hope some people that are naysayers hear this and get, give it give it a chance. <laughs> yeah, it's not it's definitely not the same, but it's the same. And they're amazing, and it's just going to keep going from here. I think it's funny. Last night when we were sitting out here, we were talking, and and my daughter's ex boyfriend is here visiting with us, and he was like, "Wouldn't it be funny if the Grateful Dead never ended?" And I was like, "It's not going to." Like this, this music is part of Americana. It's it's part of the fabric of of America, and music, and something that's so magical and weird and different can't ever go away, and something too that changes people the way it does, and you know I've I've there's other people in my life that haven't gotten that experience. I've taken them to shows and they're like, yeah, whatever, it's cool, I like it, the music's great, but whatever and it's like we were saying at the beginning it, it it's not for everybody it's like jerry said that you know it's like licorice people that like licorice really like licorice and people that don't don't yeah so yeah we've both seen that you go to a show and they, it, you know just like any other show like going to a movie or something like oh that was fun i got a buzz that was cool i'm going home and i'm i'm the same i just wonder what I, then it's like i said last night i wonder what that thing is what is it that the moment and that's the whole point of the podcast too is to like start to put together what the it is what is that moment that common thread what's that thing that happens to us all that 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 makes it you can hear it one day and it sounds like shitty banjo country music go to a show open your mind up and the next day it's the most beautiful thing you ever heard in your life and it's not i will say this it's not just the dead there's other bands that that's oh, happened, happened to me with where it's completely different after you experience it in person. It's totally different. Yeah. Well, okay, like, should should we, yeah, dis- yeah. Should we discuss fish <laughs> in this? It hasn't yeah. come up yet. Yeah. I, same with them. I Even after being turned on to the Grateful Dead, I didn't like fish. I didn't like fish for the longest time, and they've been around a long time. Uh Trey, I, I like their music. I was like, oh, that's great music and stuff. But I, I, I had a hard time accepting what Trey was throwing down, his vocals, his his lyrics, his style. And then we went and saw the Grateful Dead Fare Thee Well tour in Chicago. Another mind blower. Just, just incredible. And same thing, people kind of knocked those shows. It wasn't the Grateful Dead. Of course it wasn't. It was... It was it was a, a, a cel- it was a celebration yeah. of 50 years yeah. of awesome music yeah and who better now i look at it and like, who better than trey to do that with them and i left that show and now i'm a huge fish fan i am now catching up on 30 years of their music when we when we after we got back from fairly well we went to Vegas and and Fish was playing in L.A. at the Forum again. That place is magical for me. But playing at the Forum like a month and a half after we got back from Fairly Well, and dude, that was a fucking expensive journey going out to Chicago and doing all that. It was a lot of money going out there, and we didn't really have much money. And I was like, "Fuck that! I'm going to see Fish in We're L.A. Going. I don't give a shit. I'm buying tickets and I'm going. And you're coming with me." And I remember after that show, like 
oh man, I can't believe I haven't been listening to this for <laughs> the last 25 years. What a dumbass. This shit's awesome. Yeah. So fun and, and it's the, and so the same energetic. Thing with their music. Me and Aaron were suddenly discovered something that was like, like oh god the best best thing ever and we're still sharing that and everybody around us that they they like it they listen to it but they don't have the gusto for it like we do Mm-mm. of like oh my god i gotta hear that show i gotta hear this show and then i gotta say fish fans are awesome too because that's a fun group you, of people man yeah it's one of the few like the grateful dead where they'll tell you oh my god you gotta listen to the show at this college from 93 you gotta listen to the 32 minute chalk dust torture from this and it's just amazing and that's a well, funny... it's the same family man we're yeah. all the same family yeah it's the same family and going to that show at the forum uh it was really cool being older now because we're we kind of have senior we have our seniority card and there's so many millennials and stuff that that same thing at first the first fish show it it's really annoying at first that they're talking. <laughs> oh, that's that's annoying everywhere. <laughs> talking during a show, man. Yeah. Stop it. Yeah. I'm, let me. This is a public service <laughs> announcement. Fuck that. You know what? If you're at a concert, put your fucking phone down. Okay, I understand taking a picture or a 25 second video, but put your fucking phone down and shut the fuck up. At the set break, then do your thing, man. I'm old and curmudgeon-y. I get it. And you're all going to bitch at me and send me comments telling me I'm an idiot. Okay, that's fine. Whatever. But I'll tell you what. There's nothing more annoying than when you're grooving at a show and you're jamming and you're in that awesome headspace and the guy behind you is like, so yeah, last week at work, man, I was fucking doing that. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Sorry. That, that, that was PSA my was brought to you by Aaron. <laughs> so yeah, anyway, but then I, then I started to accept that. Well, man, what a show those guys put on. They're so fun and funny and just have a great time. And who else does 30 something minute versions of their songs other than like the Grateful Dead and a few other bands out there. There. Yeah. It's a, it's been a long, long, strange trip and it's still getting stranger. And we get to enjoy this music and share it and talk about it and do this rad podcast and hear from other people. And, you know, maybe 10 or 20 episodes in after we hear a bunch of different people's experiences we could start to say oh maybe that's a thing or you know what maybe we don't need to know what the thing is maybe it doesn't matter and we just need to love it yeah so this feel i'm what aaron is doing this aaron got sparked to do this and i want to give a shout out to to a new person that's making me appreciate things duncan trussell who encouraged him to do this and you know why not why not try it what the hell what the what is there to lose and what an awesome thing to share experiences and i'm looking really forward to where this is going now too um I uh, love, love all you guys. Can't wait to hear from people and hear other people's stories. And I hope this is entertaining and helps you dig into your mind to pull these things up. Because I know it is with me. I'm going to be thinking from here on out of putting back together that timeline and remembering experiences that are, you know, not gone. But, if, you know, they're, they're back there in the filing cabinet. And I want to pull them out and share them. And I want all of you to do that. 
So if you if you feel like you got a, a good story to tell, or if you just want to tell your story, you could uh, send us a send us a note and you know tell us a little bit about yourself, and we'll get in contact with you. Maybe we could have you on the show. So that's it for today, man. Um, thanks for for letting us blabber into your ear holes, and uh, we hope that everybody out there is well and have a grateful day. What is a city without its music? The legacy of the New York Philharmonic is incredible. Nearly two centuries of history. That's a lot of music and a lot of stories. I was sitting on stage for the very first time thinking, I can't quite believe this is happening. Join me, Jamie Bernstein, as we explore the history of the New York Philharmonic. It's the NY Phil story made in New York, a podcast about a city, its people, and their orchestra. Listen wherever you get podcasts. So thanks for listening to us today, you guys. We hope you really enjoyed it. Uh, if you did, if you do us a solid and head on over to iTunes and leave us a review, that would be really awesome. Uh, reviews are super important to the podcast. They help us get ranked and they help other people find out about it and it gets the word out about us. Um, you can check out our website at nosimpleroad.com. And check us out on Facebook and Twitter at No Simple Road. And if you feel so inclined, we do have a Patreon page. It's patreon.com forward slash No Simple Road. And on Patreon, you can pledge us a buck all the way up to a million dollars. And you can do a one-time deal or you can give monthly. You know, it takes time and it takes energy and creativity to pull this thing off. And we really do enjoy doing it. Everybody here in the house does work a regular job and this can sometimes pull us away but we want to keep doing it so if you guys could help us out it's family taking care of family and we appreciate it and from the bottom of my heart and everybody here at the chaplet day pad we love you guys and we hope you have a grateful day to tell you about the April-May 2023 issue of Relics Magazine. Features a Dave Matthews Band cover story with additional articles and interviews with The National, Graham Nash, Wayne Shorter, ALO, Ivan Neville, 
our friend Eric Krasno and Stanton Moore, Marty Stewart, and much more. Check out the latest version of Relics and subscribe now at relics.com slash DMB. Thanks, Relics. This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake, and host of Krista Makes a Podcast, a songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant, evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, and up-and-coming artists of today such as Liz Stokes of The Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, and I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts, and new episodes come out every Monday.